Welcome to the Foxy Podcast, bi-monthly show brought to you by Freeform Freakout. The show is produced at KMSU Studios in Mankato, Minnesota. And here in the Foxy Podcast, we try to dig deeper into underground and experimental sounds of the past and present. And welcome to episode number 104 of the Foxy Podcast show. Hope you're all doing well out there wherever you're listening from. I started off the show with a track from David Nance's 2013 album called Actor's Diary. came out on Grapefruit Records as part of their subscription series that year. Nance, whose music we featured on previous shows, is a talented songwriter and guitarist out of Omaha, Nebraska, whose solo work taps into the rich and varied lineage of homespun DIY rock and roll. And he just released a terrific new album called Do the Negative Boogie, And while the sound is noticeably cleaner on some tracks, the album as a whole still retains that rough-hewn charm of his previous efforts. David recently stopped by the KMSU studios before a show here in Mankato, and we discussed the making of his new album a bit, and he hung out and picked some music to play too, and you'll hear this in the first hour of the show. Then, in the second hour, I was fortunate to have fellow Omaha singer-songwriter and co-owner of Grapefruit Records' Simon Joyner also joined me in the studio recently while out on tour and in anticipation of his forthcoming double album, Step Into the Earthquake. Joyner is a veteran and influential figure within the Omaha music scene, having released numerous albums, singles, cassettes, and other collaborative works dating back to the early 1990s. Joyner's writing on Step Into the Earthquake, though, is as timely and as incisive as ever, and I discussed some of the inspirations behind the material on this new album with Simon, and we preview some of the key tracks from the album. And we also chat about his work running Grapefruit Records, too, and play a few things from their catalog. This show was a real pleasure to put together, so I hope you enjoy this one. Before I get into my conversation with David Nance, I thought I'd play the sort of title track from his new album. Here is Negative Boogie. Oh, 
right, we are live in the studio with uh, David Nance here. And David, thanks so much for uh, swinging by the KMSU studios. Uh, you're at the tail end of your tour here. It's been about a two and a half, three weeks stint mm-hmm. you've been on? Yeah, 19 days. Yeah. Are, and are you feeling it right now? Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's it's a good feeling. It's like a, it's like a nice coat or something. <laughs> Heavy but at coat. the same time, you're probably at the point where you're like, I really want to sleep in my own bed. Oh yeah, man! Like we're we're playing Sioux Falls tomorrow, mm-hmm. so that's two hours from Omaha. Yeah. So we get to go home tomorrow, you know, and I get to see my dog and my wife. And perfect. That's gonna be great. You don't have to do the overnight drive or anything like that. Well, we're gonna do the overnight drive, but it's like that's not bad. No, you know, the no. show's gonna be done at like eleven or something. Yeah, so perfect. Yeah. yeah. For well, the record, I said my dog and my wife and i wanted to say my wife and my dog (laughs) that's important (laughs) that's right good correction you stand corrected but hey let's let's talk about this new record you're out on the road right now behind this new one called the negative boogie which we played the title track of there to get things going and a little bit of a departure in some ways in that it's your first official studio record that you've done so what led you, I guess, to to jump into that? Just wanting to try something new, recording wise, or uh, the uh, the the label Bada Bing that we are on gave us the opportunity to go into a studio because I I never really even thought about it. Right. You know, I mean, it was maybe like a pipe dream kind of sure. thing, but uh, I just never had the means to. And I you know I got a setup on my house, so why would I right. why would I need one? But they said like they would front the bill. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we got our. You know, we got a game plan of what we needed to do because we'd have a limited amount of time. So it was kind of, you know, just like this day. You know, we only had three days. We did a lot. It was banged up pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we did 15 songs the first day and then just kind of like went from there, added things and, you know, we got a record out of it, you know. You know, it doesn't lose a lot of that raw quality though. Some of the, I mean, there's tracks that sound clearly a little bit more brushed up, but I, this right. is not like polished David Nansen group here. Oh no, we weren't trying that at all. <laughs> we try, oh, I mean the breakneck speed of doing it, I think helps. And right. like we, I think there's like maybe twice that we did a second take. Oh really? Everything yeah. else is just like first takes and not much for overdubbing even. Yeah. Uh, well, like overdubbing would be like, what's uh, you know, you try the guitar. That sounds good. Let's yeah. go on, you know, because okay. all uh, the vocals, the drums, and the bass were all done live. Okay, yeah. And then the guitars and everything else were added out. Oh, I, I was playing a guitar, but I was playing it poorly. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's in there, sometimes <laughs> it's not. Right. You know. I suppose that's that time frame, too, that sense of urgency. We have three days, and that's it, and we got to do this. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. I think, to me, that seems like a good way to make a record. Definitely. A, a good rock record. And I'm always so weirded out but maybe that's kind of a thing of the past where people would just spend months if not years making like how can you labor over a song yeah i it's kind of well i mean you know people they get perfection or they're perfectionist about their thing and they'll worry about the snare that's being used yeah. or like you know spend a day trying out amplifiers or like this echo pedal or something mm-hmm. i just you know we, we, I don't think that stuff's really important. You know, tone's kind of important, right. I guess, but I think the the act of humans doing it, right. I think, is the most important capturing, thing. Capturing a band in a room, sure. doing what yeah, they do. And I, yeah, you know, I, of course I worried about the guitar tone or something right, like yeah. that, but not, like, any more than a couple minutes mm-hmm. of, like, oh, that sounds fine. Right, right. You know. 
So has it been fun uh, playing these tracks and uh, out on the road? I mean, yeah, kinda like they've all uh, morphed. They yeah. all it's you know it's I think that's just like how it goes. Mm-hmm. Where you do we work on something kind of early on, then you take it out, and then it just grows into something else. Right, which is cool because there's a documentation of the time. Yeah, that right. We, we were doing that, and now it's something else, and it's its own thing, and that's that's I th- I think that's how it should be. Right. Yeah. I remember hearing when you guys came through last time around when it was uh, more than enough your yeah. record from last year, mm-hmm. and hearing those songs, thinking. These are very, very different from what it sounded like on the record. Yeah, so, yeah. So everything's changed a lot. So they're all uh, bluegrass songs now, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> they're uh, uh, yeah speed reggae songs. <laughs> that would—that's almost like a polka thing, then, like, it? like a, a reverse polka. I think it would work. Yeah, <laughs> is that? Well, let's maybe uh, play another track off the record. This one's called Triangle Head. Anything sticks out in your mind about the recording of this one? Oh no! Uh, well, uh, Tom, or the guy that plays bass on the record, plays bass in the touring band. He's uh, uh, he plays sax on this. Oh, does he? Okay. He wails on it. So it's on the. So it's the, the whole song it comes in. Yeah. Yeah. So it's this is uh, again from the new record. Uh, Do the negative boogie. This is Triangle Head. <laughs> Clenches his teeth, feels the nerve coursing through his veins and up his nose. And it's gotta be
right again we just heard from uh, David Nance and his uh, from his new record called Do the Negative Boogie that was Triangle Head from that there and David you um, had mentioned when we were off mic that in addition to this one here you do have a new single that just came out too that you recorded for Richie Records yeah what, is that is that stuff just left over from from the, these sessions no 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 it was uh, um, stuff I just recorded at home mm-hmm. and they asked me to be a part of it so I was like I want to be a part of that right. and so I had one song that I had sent him and he really liked it and then I had to make another one mm-hmm. for a B side you know? right and it's okay it's all about the A side that's yeah. a good one <laughs> That's the good one. You did mention that you had like you banged out fifteen tracks. I mean, is there other stuff from yeah. those sessions yeah. that are you feel like could resurface again? Definitely, like not those recordings. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's like we, you know, we were trying different versions of stuff and we recorded it, and it was like, ah, it's not so good. So a lot of the things have been revisited, rehashed, and now they're completely. You know, like the songs are completely different. The lyrics are the same, but mm-hmm. you know, we're approaching it a different. Uh, angle right well one other thing about this uh record too is you you now have well i don't know if i should say it's an expanded lineup at least the live version of the band is expanded i yeah. mean did were there i mean was that a way to maybe just expand the sound give you more room as a, a guitarist what was some of the oh yeah well uh, rationale for so there's there's four of us now so yeah. it's uh, kevin donahue on drums tom may on bass and jim schroeder on guitar and he's on the record. He does uh he plays prepared cowbell, does some backup <laughs> vocals, and he's got some really great synth stuff on it too. I think he he played organ on one thing too, but we cut that song mm-hmm. not because of his performance, but <laughs> because of, it was my bad for the song being bad. But um, he's been playing guitar, and that's just like opened us up to yeah, everything's changed dramatically. Yeah, you know, do you feel like you guys can just cut loose and just for sure jam? Like songs become much more expansive and all. That? Absolutely, yeah. In you know, he's just we found this out this tour because I always just thought like we would play and we're not hearing each other, and it's just like coincidence uh-huh. that we're like, oh, these sound, oh, I, you know, like it sounds like we're playing together on this level, and, and Jim's like, well, no, I'm playing to you. You know, and it's like, I just thought it was a coincidence that we're having to sound good. So, you know, that shows his level of musicianship. Yeah. And my lack of... I don't know if I've ever heard of prepared cowbell. Oh, man. Yeah. What, 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 what did you do to prepare this cowbell? Well, it was, it was at the studio. They had so much fun stuff there. Yeah. And this one piece, or the cowbell, where it's like, has like these sturdy reverb coils attached to it. Oh, and okay. then a... Uh, uh, sheet of metal mm-hmm. too so you could just i mean it has the cowbell sound but then you could get all these other great noises yeah. out of it creaking kind of things so i'm sure there's a more cowbell joke in there somewhere but mm-hmm. i'll just leave that alone <laughs> who wants to touch that? yeah <laughs> and it's great that you like kev and and um tom your rhythm section are these guys like the go-to people in omaha do they play in i feel like kevin has played in every band kevin plays in a lot of bands <laughs> Tom plays a lot of bands too. Um, Tom plays in Digital Leather. He plays guitar in that. This is the only band he plays bass in. Is it okay? Yeah, he just bought like a bass amp right before we went out for oh, tour. Really? You know, um, is there just that much of a shortage of drummers, or is Kevin that? Is he the man? Well, he's or just both. incredible. Yeah, and he's versatile. You he know, is. and he, and he wants to play a lot. Yeah, you know. So I think those are all. Uh, that's like the recipe for playing a lot of bands. <laughs> exactly. You know? Yeah. But, right. Yeah. Well, one thing we want to do here is, you know, for a good chunk of your time, was I just asked if you wanted to 
play some music yes. some things because I know you're you're a deep listener. I like music. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's why I do this thing. <laughs> so I just asked you to just pick out some tracks and we would we would see what would happen. So we're going to start off with one that you mentioned kind of goes back to your youth. Yeah, it was it one I heard real young and just kind of like turned me on to how intense things could be and mm-hmm. the intensity of music and how like that's so important, you know. Yeah. So the the track we have is Red Lorry, Yellow Lorry, and and it's called Chance. This is, would this be like early '90s or late '80s? I think it's mid '80s. Mid '80s. Okay. Or it could even be early. I think it's mid '80s. Is, I'm not okay. sure. I you know I'm sh- the information's right there on the phone, <laughs> but I don't want to look at that. Um, I think it's mid '80s, and I think it's like in. It's definitely like in the middle of their career. Yeah, it has it, that kind of pummeling, you know, like yeah. industrial drum sound of and that late I'm '80s era. Really, not a fan of this band. Mm-hmm. Like, I've tried to like get their albums and get into it, and I really don't like it outside of this song. Yeah, you know. So, was this was this sort of the um, gateway drug right here? This this song this like oh this oh. I mean I feel like this got me into Velvet Underground. It got me into or just like that pummeling mm-hmm. beat the. Or that's like, it's almost like an industrial kind of thing, right. you know. Did Chrome come before or after? Oh, definitely after. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't. I, I wasn't listening to Chrome when yeah. I was sixteen. I wasn't that cool. <laughs> no, neither was I. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's play this one and maybe a couple of others, and then we'll come back and sure. just let's just we'll talk music and stuff. So Sounds here it is: uh, Red Lorry, Yellow Lorry, Chance.
sick of eating donuts. That's all there is. There is at work. Sick of eating donuts. That's all there ever is at work. Sick of eating donuts. That's all there ever is at work. I'm sick of eating donuts. That's all there ever is at work. Refined white sugar. Refined white flour. Think with all that refinement, there'd be culture. Think with all that refinement, there'd be poetry. But all there is is calories. Sick of eating donuts, that's all there ever is at work. I'm sick of eating donuts, that's all there ever is at work. I'm sick of eating donuts, that's all there ever is at work. Pure white sugar, pure white flour, pure white glaze. They're so racist. Sick of eating donuts, that's all there ever is at work. I'm sick of eating donuts, that's all there ever is at work. Pure white sugar, pure white flour. All refined. Think all that with all that refinement. There be culture, but there's no poetry. Just calories. Pure, useless calories. Sick of eating donuts. That's all there ever is at work. I'm sick of eating donuts. That's all there ever is at work. I'm sick of eating donuts. That's all there ever is at work. I'm sick of eating donuts. That's all there ever is at work. That's all there ever is at work. That's all eating donuts. That's all there ever is is work. That's all there ever is is work eating donuts. Okay, I'm not looking, I'm not talking, I'm not looking, I'm not talking, I'm not looking, I'm not talking.
All right, we just finished up that set there with some Scorched Earth Policy, that uh, great New Zealand group, short-lived group, and features uh, Brian Crook, who you've had some dealings with uh, musically and stuff when you were out in L.A. for a while. Yeah, yeah, I was fortunate enough to meet them on a tour with Simon Joyner, and they lived in Yucca Valley, and I lived in L.A., and I would go and hang out with them and... Mm -hmm. I played with them for a little bit. I played drums with them right, for right. a little bit, but I, I'm not a good drummer, so um, <laughs> I don't think that was the best fit. But uh, it was really, I mean, it's just great hanging out with them. They're just yeah. such special people, right. you know. And, uh, I mean, it, as like a New Zealand music fan, you know, your impulse is to just want to ask right, right. everything. And so that was like just... Yeah, and it came. You know, you get you occasionally get a story about like Alistair Galbraith or something. Right. So it's just like just be well, patient. <laughs> I remember when they traveled through and they stayed at our place, uh -huh. and uh, and I felt the same way. God, there's so many questions. Exactly. Oh, and there's yeah. a story about Hamish yeah. and the Clean, and it's like, oh, you know, all these bands that you've loved forever. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> they're just some of the most important artists. Yeah. You know? But yeah, wonderful people, and I suppose for you especially, it might have been fun actually being a drummer because you could sit back and just watch him play guitar. Oh my God, yeah, <laughs> it was it, it was surreal, right? Like being able to like I remember like the first time playing with them, you know, it was just I, I think the first song we played together was like "Dream of the Sea," mm. you know, which is <laughs> like it, yeah, right. I think as most renderer fans yeah. when you hear that, it's like oh my God. Who's writing songs like this right right and so yeah it was it was really fun mm -hmm. i do feel bad though because like the the f second show i played with them we played this festival in joshua tree and we had to play for like 80 minutes mm -hmm. and it was my second time playing drums in front of anyone <laughs> i was so tired and like <laughs> couldn't keep up you know and i oh man i feel they're such good sports though they're just right like, oh, yeah. what happens happens you know so good experience right? yeah, yeah very right. good experience yeah so what else did we play in that set there uh so before that was uh raincoats no looking so mm -hmm. the last song on the self-titled debut such a great album it's perfect mm -hmm. it's a perfect album you know it's i what can you say about it? You know, like, <laughs> right. what else is like it? What I mean, they stood out in that whole sort yeah, of yeah. It's just such a singular thing. thing. Yeah. You know, like there wasn't much that sounded like it before. Like maybe the slits, but still, they like a band. This came out after the slits, correct? Ooh, it's, who, who who won? Well, I'm going to go with the raincoats. The slits were more of that kind of you know reggae inspired, right? But right. But I'm I, I prefer that that raincoats record. Yeah, I mean the slits record's fantastic yeah. too. We're gonna get hate mail now, mm. but that's all right. <laughs> we'll stand by these. You seem like you can take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the raincoats are really great. Uh, everyone's writing songs, mm -hmm. you know. Everyone's playing their hearts out, and they have like the best drummer in the world. Oh yeah, for she's sure. She's just insane. I heard she's like a like a born again Christian now. Oh really? Yeah, like. I, I forget which was your last band, but yeah, it was like soon after that she hmm. she found God. Good well, for good for her. Uh, yeah, Pom pumice pomade. I forget her I name. I can't remember the names. Huh? Yeah, pomade. pomade. What was the uh, the donut track there? That was the uh, you know I, I I agree with her. There's a lot of donuts in the yeah, workplace. Yeah, yeah. She's speaking truth. <laughs> Leslie Singer. Uh, the project's called Girls on Fire. Uh, 
it was something I just picked up from a friend that had like, you know, a buddy of mine just had a hard drive just full of all these obscure things I'd <laughs> never heard before. And, you know, just got like a thousand albums at once. Oh, geez. you know, yeah. so you just—it's overwhelming. Just you're working through. Someone's it. around just soul, soul seek that whole thing. Just getting he, every album. They yeah. Get. Well, <laughs> this guy is like—he doesn't do that. He yeah. like owns all this stuff. Oh wow! Yeah. And is like putting it, which is crazy, yeah. right? Who does that? <laughs> so he he has all this stuff, and yeah, I you know I was flipping around my iPod, and the girl's on fire, and put this on mm-hmm. somehow just drawn to that title because it's all misspelled it's s-i-x right or x-i-k right. of don'ts d-o-n apostrophe t-s you know um but it's great i mean it's awesome that she's making music and she is it seems like she has no need to play an instrument you know it, does does it, it doesn't matter right it's not important like why does musical skill have to do anything with playing music right you know, right I love that mentality. Right. Yeah. And then it was the Red Lorry track. Right? That's Red right. Lorry, Yellow Lorry, yeah. So that was like one of your early breakthroughs. Were there certain like musical moments that really stand out? Like what were some of those groups when you were young that just like blew young David Nance's mind? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, so I grew up in Grand Island, Nebraska, and there wasn't a music store there like the closest thing was like this store called hastings which i i don't think they exist anymore but it's like a barnes and noble you know oh, just yeah, all the yeah. medium things and there were you know i would get like patsy klein tapes or like uh like a depeche mode black celebration or something when i was mm-hmm. younger and i like those a lot but uh uh i think i got television marquee moon in that you know heard that at like 14 or something right freaked me out were you playing guitar at that time no yeah. i was in marching band oh right, yeah i played a trombone for eight years when did you pick up the guitar uh i played it in high school i wasn't any good at it mm-hmm. um or i didn't even like think about playing in bands or anything right like, right it terrified me or something but, <laughs> uh and then when i was like 18 there was a friend there was this band brimstone howl that uh they asked me to play bass for them for a show and it was opening for uh um the black keys oh really that's a young black keys huh yeah yeah so it was uh the first the second show i played one show in grand island with uh this band that wasn't no one it's horrible really (laughs) bad band um but the second show i played was opening for the black keys to like 300 people and playing bass it was a really like wrong introduction to what music is, <laughs> you know, just, and it was fun. I played bass. And so I started playing guitar after that. Um, just because of the Brimstone Howl guys like switched or like with well, the main songwriter wasn't touring. So they needed someone to play guitar. So I started yeah. playing guitar. There's kind of a recurring theme here is that you, you get kind of thrust into these musical situations, not having a clue what you're doing. Huh? It's a, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> with with pretty uh, good players around. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the that's uh, I think that's going to be a constant. <laughs> it's helped along the yeah, way. Huh? Yeah, I'm just learning to adapt with it better as I get older. You know? yeah. Well, let's play some more music. This next track you have picked out is from Albert Eiler and Henry Vestine from Eiler's last album. Um, this one here, def- well, I mean, I can hear like the guitar playing on here is pretty amped mm-hmm. is that part of this track that uh sticks out for you oh. i mean the whole albert eiler catalog is 
you know yeah moving <laughs> it's, a, it's a great duo exchange mm-hmm. you know they're just i mean who knows if what, what was conceived of this song before they did it but right. it seems like it's just very organic and right. real and there's know? not a ton of examples of you know saxophone electric guitar well, exchanges I like i know that, so. yeah just the 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 sonics of it sound great yeah. yeah, so we're going to play this track. It is called The Untitled Duet. Again, Albert Eiler and Henry Vestine.
Ending that set there was the Minutemen with Cut. Man, a, a personal favorite. There's some stuff happening here. We're synchronizing musical <laughs> taste here. Great stuff there. And what else did we play in, the, in that set there? Uh, before that was uh, Motorhead, Iron Horse, mm-hmm. uh, Born to Lose. Some nice meditative biker rock. Oh, yes. You know? And then before that, the, uh, the Albert Eiler untitled duet with uh, Henry Vestine. Great. Now I really want to hear that whole record. I mean, it makes me want to listen to more Henry Vestine. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I just owned the the last uh, the last album, which is that's from, mm-hmm. and it's like, homie can play guitar. The guy can play <laughs> exactly <laughs> <You> right. <know? laughs> well, hey, we're getting down to uh, the rest of our time, and, we're, and this show is going to be set up so that uh, hopefully, I should say that uh, Simon Joyner, when he's passing through, that we're going to have him on the second half of the show. And I thought a good way to maybe hand off things would be a record that you guys cut together of um, a lesser known Rolling Stones record. Maybe not as high on the, uh, uh, or not as critically acclaimed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Goat's Head Soup. What was the uh, uh, the draw of that record? Well, I was, I was listening to it for the first time and we were doing a tour together and it was like, oh, we should do a CD of something. And I, I've been into covering albums and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Simon wanted to, he'll, he maybe I don't maybe he won't go with this, but he wanted to do something else. And I was like, no, no, we got to do Goat's Head Soup. You know, mm-hmm. we got to <laughs> we can, we can take a dump on Goat's Head Soup pretty effectively. <laughs> and I think we did. I think it turned out all right. There's a couple songs that like like the lyrics were so bad they were like, we'll just write our own, <laughs> or like the music's horrible. Let's just make our own. <laughs> right. You know, but there's some good riffs. I mean, it's that point in the Stones career when like. Keith had completely given up on the band. It seems, yeah. you know, it's like Mick. Okay, write the songs. I'll come in and play guitar. <laughs> I'll just show up and I'll do but, my part. Exactly, you know. Yeah, but I missed out on the opportunity to put in a recommendation for an album to cover when oh. I ordered the record. Mine was going to be the Groundhogs. Whoa. Thank Christ for the bomb. Whoa, that's great. That I'd like to hear. I man, that's. Like doing like a guitar rock record, that would be pretty. I, I've never even really thought to do anything like that. It's always easy to do like the singer songwriter kind of yeah. stuff to trash on that, but doing like a guitar record, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah, consider that's, it. Maybe down the road. Uh, yeah, there's free time coming up. So <laughs> right. yeah, but hey, this is uh, gonna 
bring things to the end. Thanks again for coming up and hanging out here. And um, what track are we going to play from from the record? Uh, it's uh, Silver Train. So and is is this the drastically altered version, or is this pretty true? Oh, to the original. Well, no, yeah, we we lost everything on it. It's kind of <laughs> like Mars covering Silver Train <laughs> oh, yeah, or something. Man. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, but. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah, it's always cool. good to see you. Yeah. Here it is again. Here is Simon Joyner and David Nance. Following the stain and not the road 
That's how you're supposed to see America By leaving everything you've ever known Behind windshield wipers beating back the rain Like spiders crawling out of every train An idea whose time never came Another road trip, another conflict It's a Hail Mary Hail just heard uh, the opening track from the forthcoming release from Simon Joyner called Step Into the Earthquake. It's called Hail Mary, and we have Simon Joyner and the trio version of The Ghosts in the house right here. So That's welcome, right. guys. Thank uh, you. Thanks for coming a little bit early to town to uh, to hang out for a little while, talk music, yeah. uh, talk things happening in the world of uh, the ghosts, I guess. <laughs> and I should maybe do some un- introductions. Uh, we have Kevin Donahue, who plays uh, drums in the group, and uh, Tom May, who's uh, bass, and do you do some lap steel, too? Yeah, pedal steel. Pedal steel, mm-hmm. okay. You guys were just through town a couple weeks ago with David, so, I mean, you, you kind of like, you just know the lay of the land here mm-hmm. now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's old news. <laughs> Kevin has some roots here in Mankato because his first out-of-town show as, a, as in a band was here, right? That is true. Yeah. Yeah. What was the house called? Range House? The Range House, yeah. yeah. Right across the street from where you're going to be playing tonight. Yeah. So he gets a little bit misty-eyed whenever yeah. he steps down <laughs> in that neighborhood, right? It's always good to be back, yeah. <laughs> He's been talking about that yeah. black bean burger for the last 150 <laughs> miles. <laughs> they, they're good black bean burgers, yeah, yes. <laughs> well, um, we have you guys here, and I, I have some questions, you know, for Simon. And this is your first time through the area, right? I, mean, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So strangely enough. Yeah. Well, um, you know, you've been recording for over two decades now, and have put out a lot of stuff, um, full-length <laughs> singles, you name it. Um, and a lot has changed, I guess, since you started uh, releasing music. Um, and so, I guess you've continued to soldier on all these years writing what I consider to be both timeless, timely music. Um, reflecting on your years of doing this, how do you feel your relationship with music and, and maybe your motivations for making music have, have evolved over these years? I'm more tired now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that for the most part, it's pretty much the same approach that I that I've had all along um uh same 
themes seem to be, you know, always, you know, relevant, I guess, you know, relationships and um, just uh, approaching uh, relationships from all the different angles, you know, there's always material in in that sense. And um, as far as like, yeah, I mean, a lot has changed as far as, you know, like touring, I used to, you know, need to uh, get an actual map when I got to a town <laughs> to figure out how to get to the club and that kind of thing and making uh, phone calls from uh, pay phones uh, right, right. with a, you know, like a can of change that we'd stop and make phone calls to t- tell people we were going to be late or, you know, that kind of thing, get yeah. directions. But other than that, it's, I feel like pretty much everything else is the same, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, is that that probably doesn't answer your question? It's perfect. What was the, what was the question again? <laughs> I, yeah, just I think looking at how <laughs> the, the the things have changed around you. I mean, we could get into all sorts of things: yeah. to music distribution, right. touring networks, mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. Yeah, and I mean, it's still a, a hustle, you know. Mm-hmm. I think, and it's still a, it's a lot of work um, just to get a few people to to listen to you, you know? Right. And it's always been that way. Um, it used to be that you would kind of advertise in magazines and newspaper, you know, just yeah, like yeah. all of these kind of like um, a little, it was a little more, um, people were reading magazines and things like that. Now there's uh, more kind of stuff on online blogs and mm-hmm. and everything. So that um, that in some ways makes things more easy you would think but actually there's so much more everyone is able to do it Mm -hmm. so it makes weeding through things uh, a lot harder because there's less curation right you can get drowned out yeah it used to be you kind of had to be halfway you know have something going on Mm -hmm. uh, for for it to be out on a physical format or for anyone to even be talking about it but now it's like everything everything exists you know everything's out there whether it's um you know just every thought and every musical uh (laughs) you know attempt is is out there on Bandcamp and everything else so it just makes it a little harder i think actually in a way to be heard Mm -hmm. through all that yeah yeah well, you've maintained roots in Omaha for, for most of the time that you've been working as a musician, whereas, you know, you do see some, at times, people that have, artist bands that have head off to the big city on the coast to, to try to make a, a go for it. And I know, I think that's kind of changing maybe in this day and age where costs are so through the roof. Mm-hmm. But um, but for you and maybe Tom and Kevin, you guys can speak to this too, you know, like how has Omaha remained kind of a vital place for you to pursue what you guys do creatively? Um, well, for me, over the years, it was always just a nice home base, you know, because mm-hmm. um, I was traveling so I could see these other cities and, you know, kind of experience culture uh, in other places and, you know, go to Europe every once in a while to on a tour. And so the, the need to, like, get out of town, as it were, you know, the kind of go west young man, <laughs> uh, American myth was less important um because i was doing a fair amount of traveling but um omaha is really it's it's affordable and uh it's it's got good people in it so um a lot of creative people so it's it's always been 
a place that you could you could find the things you needed and find the people you needed to work with to 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 be creative so mm-hmm. it's i don't know it's, it seems like a good a good home base right. i know me. kevin tom you you guys are involved in kind of a number of different things i mean kevin how many i mean do you drum for everybody in town that's what i'm wondering <laughs> it seems like you yeah. play with everybody now not not quite but <laughs> that's the goal soon yeah. enough <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the drummer takeover yeah i just want one drum set in Omaha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you guys are involved in quite a bit of other stuff uh, yeah musically yeah. your own projects and stuff right yeah. yeah decent amount of stuff yeah but yeah there's i don't know as far as omaha goes it's there's like plenty going on, I think, for how big it is, you know, mm-hmm. that like leaving for something else doesn't really seem necessary. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, Minneapolis is probably the same kind of thing where, you know, it's small, but it's big enough, I guess. Right. There's enough going on yeah. regularly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's four pedal steels in Omaha. Yeah. So I think I did 25% of the <laughs> poach the other guys and. Maybe accidentally fall down the stairs or something one day, and uh, <laughs> I get all these more gigs. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a shame! Someone left town thumbs. for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. nice. Someone in a mask took out one of the uh, <laughs> pedal steel players. Well, I want to talk about the new record, uh, "Step Into the Earthquake," which is due out here. Is it a couple months yet? Maybe month and a half. It's uh, October third, I okay, think so now. Yeah, or October 5th. a month or a mm-hmm. little over a month or whatever. Um, it, it's another double LP similar to the, the Ghost record that you did a few years back. Um, having listened to it several times now, I'd say there does seem to be this, eh, maybe I'm stretching a little bit, but kind of an overarching theme of this, the personal meeting, the political mm-hmm. um, within this album. Um, first, you know, when, when was this material initially recorded? Um, and I guess what were some of the ideas that were kind of running through your headspace at the time? And secondly, I guess kind of in light of what's happening uh, culturally, politically, do you hear some of the songs that you recorded even just, you know, maybe five, six months ago differently through a certain lens maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, I think that's a fair um, kind of assessment of what the what's going on. There's, yeah, there there's some political, more overtly political material than I've had, you know, on on record in a, in a while. Um, <clears throat> just because of, I started writing the songs around the time of, you know, the election mm-hmm. uh, year ramping up and, and kind of the, a lot of what was happening with the kind of emboldening of the, you know, far right and and uh the re- the reaction to obama i guess like coming out of the woodwork the um just kind of a lot of the hate and and how trump was um courting it and encouraging it at his rallies and right. um all of that kind of you know authoritarian stuff that we're seeing actually play out that everyone right. thought was going to that that was all just you know, like even McCain, when he was running, he sort of walked a little bit of a line, you know, because he knew he needed to get these votes. But then, you know, but he backed, that, off. He backed yeah. off and that's what everyone sort of does. But no one, everyone thought that he would follow that same yeah. kind of uh, plan and he didn't. And so, yeah, when I was writing this stuff and, uh, 
there was a lot of stuff in the news just with all of the, you know, the murders of unarmed, you know, black men by police, mm-hmm. and there were, um, and the rise of the the Black Lives Matter movement, um, trying to address those things, and um, where you know Trump's base was sort of like, you know, getting stronger and more emboldened. So we we saw this sort of clash coming, you know, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So now that it's, it's like actually, you know, happening like sort of many, um, civil wars, you know, mm-hmm. that are, it's really, uh, kind of sim- been simmering, but now it's really, it's r- really getting yeah. scary. Um, so yeah, I think this, I think the songs on the album speak to that, the, the political ones. Um, and yeah, the personal stories I feel like are, um, you know, are also about com- people in in conflict and uh, trying to resolve that one way or another. And sometimes sure. it's a good resolution, and sometimes it isn't. But it's it seems real, you know, mm-hmm. for how things play out with between people too. It's in- I think I had in kind of going through some interviews and stuff that you'd done. I think you said you typically don't. There, there can be long stretches of time that you don't write anything. Mm-hmm. And obviously what was happening around you, clearly that was like the kick in the pants to get writing. Like it, that kind of uh, sparked something for you, mm-hmm. it sounds like, from what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, there can be long periods of time. Um, I generally put out a record every, you know, every couple of years or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but... uh yeah, there was just the songs for this record just kept coming and they seemed interrelated. So, and I didn't want to do a record that was only like the political songs. Right, right. Um, I wanted them to kind of be spread out throughout the album with this other material. Right. And I thought that, that it, they worked well together. Because it can become almost too heavy handed, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, not. No, but if it's something so overtly <laughs> political, yeah. you know, it can be a, a bit much. Yeah, if it's just only that, then you can kind of get, um, yeah, you're just getting hit over the head with it. And yeah. Even within the songs, I, I feel like the the political stuff, it isn't so much um, like I Ain't Marching Anymore, Phil Oaks type uh, topical yeah. songs, but more the human stories are are part of it anyway. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I want to play w- one of them that I think is just a great example of that right there and it's the track I'm feeling it today. There I got it that time. But <laughs> 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 um, I just think this is such a good timely song. Um, I think it's really like this could be one of those like songs of the year type thing. <laughs> I know this, you know, that doesn't play out on whatever websites, but I think this is a really good song for for the times um thank you so um because it it really does go back and forth between the personal and the political and kind of shifts these different points of view Mm -hmm. um without maybe spelling out every little detail maybe just set this up and we'll play it and let listeners check it out okay yeah it starts um there's sort of like four four stories it starts with the with the it does start with like a, a single person's experience, then it moves on to a couple, and then it moves on to, um, you know, like a city, and then it finally ends up at the country 
level, right. yeah. like a national level. So it does kind of develop in that in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I guess, you know, um, sort of day after um, each each verse is kind of deals with a, a different kind of like looking back a day after kind of experience yeah, okay. of feeling it the next day, whether it's, you know, starting off with just like a, a hangover or whatever, but it ends up <laughs> yeah. without the ultimate hangover, which is having elected somebody that yeah. is yeah. And da- dangerous. <laughs> Kevin and Kevin and Tom, do you do you two play on this record? Is this your, your lap steal on this one, Kevin? Uh, or Tom, sorry? No. Yeah, I was, I played drums. On this one? Not on this one. Okay. Are you feeling bitter right now? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know he played the pedal steel at the time. <laughs> well, let's, let's play it. This All is, right. This is, uh, I'm feeling it today again. Simon Joyner.
got a bird who won't ever whistle. See that my grave is kept clean. But I've seen enough cell phone and dash cam videos to wonder where's this land of the free. There's a riot going on. Spin the juries till they're hung. Bring the war armor and the pepper spray. Better blue than true won't do tomorrow. 'Cause we're feeling it today. America said, "Let's just rip off the scab." And sink that French bitch into the bay. If that was an election, the folk singer laughed. I'll take my chances with the NRA. It was a noble idea on paper, I suppose. See it in a museum before it disintegrates. You let the lesser of two evils. Take you from behind. Now you're feeling it today. Today in the naked sunlight, carve the bruise from an apple with a peri knife. Make a wish on a dandelion head and blow it. To the choir on swivel stools at Trey and Lalea's bar. Sarah said, "Order an old-fashioned for me." She plugged the jukebox, and I flipped off the TV, and we just let time slip away. Think of it, seem to do the trick. But we're feeling it today. Such a good song, Thank and you. and my that pedal steel on there is. Is very good. Probably not as good as what you're playing. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of room for improvement. <laughs> yeah, you were just over there critiquing, right? Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't hear anything else. <laughs> oh man. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the other things that you, you're up to, Simon, uh, with with running a label. Um, mm-hmm. uh, if you go back to the the '90s, you had 
run a label called Sing Unix with, is it Chris Deedon? Mm-hmm. Is that, is yeah. that correct? Okay. Um, well, in the last five or six years, uh, you've again been collaborating on a label. It's called Grapefruit Records with uh, Ben Goldberg of Bada Bing Records. How, how did this label take shape? And I guess what made you want to get back into sort of the curation and publishing side of, mm-hmm. of, of a label? Well, I always, the whole point of, uh, like, starting Sing Unix was because there was all this Omaha music at the time mm-hmm. that no one was hearing, you know. Um, and we were inspired by the, the Shrimper label oh, yeah. out of, yep. Cal- you know, California, the Inland Empire, with you know, that Dennis Kalachi ran. Mm-hmm. And um, so we thought about doing a label in Omaha and putting out, like, our friends who were making great music. but. Yeah. There wasn't really any. There weren't any labels at the time in Omaha, like to speak of, um, and so yeah, we started that label and uh, and just to put out tapes by people that we that we liked, and mm-hmm. then eventually uh, some seven inch records, and you know started putting out the vinyl version of my records when I yeah. as I started. But um, yeah, so it's sort of the same idea with Grapefruit. I had been kind of missing that part of it of being able to like help out other artists who I appreciated that I felt were also kind of making music that wasn't going to uh, get picked up by other people uh, very readily, um, at least not on vinyl and doing a vinyl only label um, initially. And my idea for it was just that it would be subscription based so that and then I would always have one of the, like do four albums a year, and one of them would be like someone who was popular. That someone would want to be a part of the yeah. subscription. Yeah, yeah, like popular enough on the like underground scene. Like so for the first year we had, we asked Lamb Chop to do a record. Oh, okay, yeah. um, and, um, but then, you know, there are these other artists who are less well known, but people would have to buy all four records to get their Lamb Chop record. Right. That would be the only way to get it. Enough to justify like a run of 300 or 500. Yeah, or exactly. Like yeah. And so then you'd have like a more um, sort of seasoned or appreciated artist helping out other artists with their fan base, basically like right. fronting the bill, you know. And um, so that's why, yeah, we started it that way. It was my idea and I was on tour and I was just talking to my friend Ben about it and he's like, let's do it. I'll, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I'd love to be part of that. Yeah. You know? So we, you know, just, you know, over the next year, like came up with the idea of how we were going to do it. So, yeah, the first couple of years were subscription only. But then um, it just wasn't uh, we weren't just sell- we weren't selling enough subscriptions to to make it work right, in, yeah. in that model. So then we opened it up to just conventional releasing of things and then you just have to be a little more careful um but we're still putting out things but you know by people who aren't known or won't sell very many records just because we want we want their records to be heard you know you you said mentioning like documenting uh things that were happening in omaha is i mean like saddle creek is a label that comes to mind is Mm -hmm. there a lot of is there that kind of stuff happening still in, in Omaha in terms of label activity and, and stuff like that? Other things that are maybe a bit off the radar? Mm. Yeah. You mean off off the radar I kind mean, of documenting of a certain scene? Yeah. Or yeah. I mean, the Saddle Creek, um, that all, that happened after Sing Unix and a yeah. lot of those, um, like we put, 
Scenics put out a couple um, of like Connor Ober's like Early, earliest yeah. tapes. Um, so, and then they like his friends were kind of started that Saddle Creek scene to yeah. uh, tape label initially to kind of docu- do what we were doing with our friends who were like all a little bit older. Mm-hmm. They they started their label kind of to to kind of document their friends. Right, right. Um, and so that kind of thing is still happening. There's a sure. lot of like little labels who are documenting, you know, different scenes. I mean, you guys could probably speak to some of that with uh, the dungeon synth scene. <laughs> so, Tom? Is that Tom? Is that you? <laughs> the gr- totally. the gr- oh, yeah. Yeah, shout out to the... the crazy dungeon synth scene in Omaha <laughs> like such a strange scene but the the funny thing about that was this other story where like um, some guy wanted to do like a split tape of this dungeon synth there's like this German guy or something and he was like talking to Billy and he's like uh, or Jake is talking to this guy he's like we should do a split and put it out on Moon Worshipper Records <laughs> and he's like <laughs> And he's like, yeah, Billy's into it. And the guy's like, oh, I, can't, I didn't know you'd contacted Billy already. It's like, yeah, they hang out like every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, There's a big, big following of the dungeon synth stuff, huh? Yeah, it's tight, tight it's, network. It's worldwide. It's really strange. <laughs> I didn't know about it at all until yeah. hang out with these guys. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff like that where, yeah. you know, in Omaha, I think. Yeah. It's different, like, you know, there's so many uh, ways to you know cut up punk rock music and into these different scenes too you know that have all have their own little like stamp on it or like people who are mostly into this yeah. kind of thing or a hardcore and I mean, it's probably like any town of, right, yeah. of its size there's there's a lot going on there's a hip-hop scene and um you know just there's pretty much like every imaginable kind of anything <laughs> you want yeah <laughs> anything uh, you want come yeah. to Omaha and, there, and there's a label there's a, a label doing it you yeah, know right, like right. putting out CDRs or tapes or records and well you, you mentioned changing your model for uh, grapefruit records and going to just kind of a standard model well you don't always uh, just mess around here one of the big things you did <laughs> last year was put out four albums by Roy Montgomery I mean that's that's going for it. Yeah, know, like, for sure. <laughs> um, and, and it had been a while for for him. You know, I mean, he had a couple of smaller under-the-radar releases, but, I mean, when he put out, like, full-fledged, full lengths, it's been several years. So yeah. what made you guys think, oh, yeah, let's just do all four and, and one shebang and let's mm-hmm. call it, a, a you know, like a box set? Right. Well, he had been recording all of these albums over the years, and not sending them to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for a host of reasons, he had um, just some personal reasons why he wasn't really involved in, in the music uh, community um, for a while there. And um, we were friends with him, and he sent this, like, just sent these recordings to Ben uh, to see if he was, you know, it just so he could hear them really not even like asking to put it out and Ben shared them with me and you know I'm a huge fan so we just talked to him about it that they seemed to be you know each record was you know sort of featuring a different side to a different quadrant of his like 
of his brain or his psyche, you know. And um, so it made sense to put them all together as a uh, – and so headquarters was sort yeah. of like the uh, the divided – head i guess right. of roy yeah, montgomery right. yeah. um yeah. and so each re- you know there's one record that's sort of like his gloomy singer songwriter mm-hmm. uh dark s- songs pop songs and then there's you know various the other three records are just different kinds of instrumental music that he loves to right, do right. but they are all different from one another right. so and there and it's a great release i mean one of those things that you can you need to spend a lot of time with it. Yeah, I think. Well, he's a you know he's a legendary New Zealand uh, artist who hasn't gotten the as much of the recognition as some of the other New Zealand right, right. artists of his generation. So our goal was to do something just really, um, just really nice for Roy for Roy's music and package it well, and, and so that you know people have to like look at this thing and 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 listen you know right. and try and get him some more uh, um attention because right. his music is so so great yeah well, well let's play a track okay yeah. this is one of the vocal tracks that uh, you had picked out it's a good one um you always get what you deserve uh riffing on this band called the rolling stones is it yeah i've heard of those guys <laughs> here it is roy roy montgomery
All right, well, we added on another track there uh, from some comrades of yours there in uh, The Renderers, here recording under the name The Renderizers, uh, from another release that came out on Grapefruit. And this would have been a part of when you were doing the subscription series because it's got that really uh, that standard cover art that you were using mm-hmm. at the time. So this was uh, year three, record two. Yeah. I like the volume part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always yeah, like that. me too. <laughs> Um, and then again, we played uh, something from uh, Roy Montgomery in front of that. And uh, we wanted to play something. We, you do have a new release that just came out from fellow Omahaian. <laughs> Omahite. Omahite. <laughs> What's the proper way of saying that? Uh, Omahan. Omahan. There we go. Yes. Got to blur that yeah. uh, syllable together. Um, but it's also someone who you all play with actively. He is mm-hmm. a member. He plays with you in the Ghosts mm-hmm. quite regularly. Yeah. Did did you guys just decide to leave him behind this time? Just yeah. like yeah, you know, yeah, it's not that fun to hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's yeah he's busy with a he's got an art residency right now, okay. so he was working on that. So. so I should maybe mention yeah we have uh, something here from Noah Sturba from a brand new release. It's called Twelve Bar Blues, which kind of thirteen bar blues is it thir- thirteen bar blues? Yeah, because it was the tape was twelve bar blues. Right, right? he put out a cassette. Uh, on a tape label uh, a couple of years ago, and it was yeah. called 12 Bar Blues. That's it, yeah. And then he basically redid the whole thing throughout, took out the songs that he thought weren't as, as you know, weren't up to snuff, added new songs, and then re-recorded the, the best songs from the tape right. yeah. um, with, a, with a band, and then added, yeah, new material too. Yeah, so you guys picked out a track that you thought... Um, was maybe like one of the best uh, representations of uh, the songs on here, though. I do know a couple of the things that he played before when he came through town a while ago, but this is a track called Dead Hero Blues, mm-hmm. and this was one that was totally re-recorded, right? Or was it not on the original tape at all? I don't think it was no, on. Yeah, it, this is a new one. It's a newer song. Yeah, it's not on. It wasn't okay. on the tape at all. Okay. Um, yeah, and I think it represents the the rock band element of this mm-hmm. new version of the record. The The tape was a little more home recorded it had some band stuff on it but it was more acoustic more, yeah. yeah a little more acoustic and and there's still some of that at the root of the record but this is one of the rock songs yeah so let's let's jump into this this is uh, again Noah Sturba in a track called Dead Hero Blues <laughs>
Revelation from somewhere deep inside. Here it comes. You look down and you see your shoes are untied. Your head splits open and your bed just went up in flames. You think to yourself, why is the radio up so fucking loud? You bend down, you pull them tight, and the shoestring snaps. Everything comes crashing down. There again was uh, Noah Sturber with Dead Hero Blues from a brand new record. Uh, a trio of Omaha releases to come out on Bada Bing and, and Grapefruit. And I believe you build it as sort of the next wave of the Omaha underground. Yeah, that was a little <laughs> tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, new stuff again. Uh, available now. You can get that, right? Yeah. Uh, from yeah. Grapefruit mm-hmm. Records. Yep. Um, guys, we're getting down to the end here. One to mention, I mean, you're here in Mankato because you're going to be playing a show, and you're playing a number of dates here over the next about three weeks, you had mentioned. Mm-hmm. Where can people find you? <laughs> we're gonna Tom, be can you right <laughs> now, or can you go through every single yeah. date that you're finding? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to be... Yeah, around here we're going to be in um, let's see what's close by Milwaukee, Milwaukee Chicago. Chicago then we're going to yeah be heading to the northeast um, more and more each day right right no days off we're, are so. you have it jammed full huh yeah 
Because so, isn't the old adage, if you're not playing, you're, you're losing money. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, so. that has a better renter. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not playing, you're losing money. <laughs> that you're not making because you're not playing. Right. The old saying. Right. Yeah, that's, yes, it just rolls right off the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> but I suppose if people are interested, they can head over to, I mean, you're on Facebook, you're yeah. on social media. I, people want to find dates and all yeah, that. Yeah, I just posted all the dates um, when we left yesterday that, with the Facebook events yep. linked and everything. And so. I'll circulate stuff through the website, oh, too. Thanks. For those of you who are listening, you can... Uh, uh, follow us on Freeform Freakout or look us up on freeformfreakout.com or on Facebook and we'll have that information there linked to it. So um, one thing that we wanted to do here to kind of round out the show so to paint a picture of this new album, we didn't go back into the back catalog because mm-hmm. I thought it'd be fun just to like stick with this new material. Sure. So we played the opening track uh, of the record. Mm-hmm. We played uh, the Feeling piece. It yeah. today. Yeah. And now the... I guess what would be the D side, right? The the closing track that mm-hmm. fills up an entire side. It is an epic one. It's called I Dreamed I Saw Lou Reed Last Night. Mm-hmm. And this is a pretty, yeah, it, there's this long build at the beginning, almost like an ambient sort of build. And then what you like, there's some people that show up, like the renderers and, and David Nance uh, are there in this dream that you're having. Right, right. <laughs> so, is this a was this a legitimate dream that you had, or what? What what is the what inspired this song? I did have a dream uh, after Lou Reed died. I had a dream where he was talking to me, mm-hmm. um, and he was giving me. It was kind of like a cheesy dream in a way because he was like giving me this advice about how you know, like how you should keep how you should do things, and mm-hmm. you know, and um, you know, he's just someone that I always. You know, he's been a big, you know, influence right, right. on me and, you know, millions of other people. Um, but so, yeah, just uh, that's where it came out of. But there wasn't really much to remember from the dream, just that he was talking to me and it w- had something to do with, like, you know, being a mentor in this dream, like telling me what to do, you know, like how you got to, mm-hmm. you know, don't worry about if no one's listening to you, that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, like the fewer, the better, you know, that would, kind of thing. <laughs> Just keep doing what you, right. what you believe in, you know, would kind you, of stuff. Would you, uh, would you take advice from Lou Reed? S- on certain things, I would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, the, the song that I wrote just, yeah, about the dream it was kind of based on a dream but it yeah it ended up evolving from there and um there is a place i remember playing in tallahassee called the cow house and playing some like legendary you know shows where nobody was there right. like in the ni- early 90s and stuff or mid 90s and so i name checked the cow house too right um and then so we're on this bill the the setup is that we're on this bill like david nance the renderers and I'm on this bill with Lou Reed, and and no one's and no one shows no, up. No, not very many people are there. You yeah, know? and so like, you know, that's like a common thing that happens on tour where you you're excited to be playing in some town, and and no one, not very many people come, and you know, you could get down about it or whatever. But like, the reason you're doing this is not, you know, to make money. If you're doing it for the the right reasons, and right. I guess that's kind of where it where it starts. But then. It also then leads to like 
you know, Lou Reed kind of ranting about the things about the industry and about, yeah. you know, that he's, that it, are not important. And, and then it, his like kind of political side to his music that came out on like the album New York, which was a oh, bit, yeah. really influenced my writing about politics on this album. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, I wanted uh, that kind of came out with the, yeah. Well, we'll give folks, at least online listeners right now, yeah. a chance to hear the entirety of this track. And thanks, guys, so much for uh, yeah. coming in and, and hanging out. Yeah, it's been fun. Us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so here again is uh, the track I Dreamed I Saw Lou Reed Last Night by Simon Joyner. And again, from the forthcoming release, Step Into the Earthquake. Again, you said October. I think it's the third or it's the fifth. Yeah, I can't so remember be on, which. Be on the lookout for that. So here we go.
I dreamed I saw Lou Reed last night He was stuck on the same bill as me With David Nance and the renderers At the Cow House in Tallahassee Does a vigilante 
and I saw Lou Reed last night. 